Books, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 2, verse number 19. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse number 19. Uh, I'm speaking on the subject this morning of the backslider. The backslider. I've never heard a preacher speak on this subject. I am not saying that they don't, other preachers, but I've never, since I've been born, heard a pastor or a preacher or evangelist preach on the whole subject of backsliding. We want to do that today. It is not my intention to beat you over the head with this subject, but to indoctrinate you, to to, to indoctrinate you. In Jeremiah two nineteen, thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken me, the Lord thy God, and saith the Lord of Host that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Backsliding is not an isolated subject in the Word of God. Quite the opposite. There is much to be said and much to be read about this subject uh, in various places of the Bible. I want to give you 12 references. I want you to jot the references down, but please allow me to go ahead and read while you're jotting the reference down. I'm not telling you to turn in your Bible. You can do that when you get home. On the back of your bulletin, you'll find a place there just to jot down some some area on that bulletin. Jot down these 12 references and do some study on your own. Jeremiah 2.19, which we just read. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall prove thee or reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Then Jeremiah chapter 3, verse number 6, The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She hath gone up under every high mountain and under every green tree, and there she played the harlot. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verse number 12, the, Go and proclaim these words toward the north, saying, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord. And I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Jeremiah 3.14 Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family and will bring you to Zion. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse number 22, Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Jeremiah 5, 6, 
Wherefore a lion out of the forest shall slay them, and a wolf of the evenings shall spoil them. A leopard shall watch over their cities. Everyone that goeth out thence shall be torn in pieces, because their transgressions are many, and their backslidings are increased. Jeremiah 8 verse 5, Why then is the people of Jerusalem slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit and they refuse to return. Jeremiah chapter 14 verse number 7, O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do thou it for thy name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against thee. Jeremiah chapter number 31, verse number 22. How long wilt thou go about, O backsliding daughter? Hosea 4, 16 and 17. For Israel slideth back, as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them in a large place. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Hosea 11 verse number 7, And my people are bent to backsliding from me, though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. And in Hosea chapter 14, verse 4, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. Because of the emphasis of this subject in Scripture, I feel that I'm quite justified to bring you a sermon this morning on the subject, the backslider. The backslider. We need to understand what it means to backslide. Let me give you a simple definition. It means to slide back. It means to slide back. I was reading one of Charles Spurgeon's sermons on this subject, and he had this to say about the backslider. Listen. The first part of the name is back. Slider. He's not a back runner, nor a back leaper, but a back slider. That is to say, he slides back with an easy, effortless motion, softly, quietly, perhaps unsuspected by himself or anybody else. You cannot slide up. Nobody ever slides up. But if great care be not taken, they will slide down. They will slide back. Or in other words, they will backslide. This is very easily done. If you want to know how to backslide, the answer is leave off going forward. And you will slide backward. Cease going upward. And you'll go downward. 
of necessity. You cannot simply stand still. One of the Hebrew words translated backslide is a little Hebrew word, S-O-O-G, sug. Sug. It means to flinch. It means to draw back. To be defensive. It means to go backward or to move away from. And the scripture passage in Jeremiah 2 makes that very, very clear. You should have your Bible turned there. Look at verse number 1, 2, and 3. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness. And I want to pause to emphasize how important that statement is. Israel was holiness. Not Israel is holiness, but there was a time when they were and no longer are. Israel was holiness under the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. The relationship that God has with Israel is called a marriage. Israel was married to her maker. They loved the Lord greatly in the beginning. They showed him love and kindness. God cared for Israel as a wife. But read on verses 4 through 7. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through, where no man dwelt. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Israel's love for God began to cool off. It began to go down. They soon became forgetful of God's great love for them and the many miraculous things he had done for them. And in verse number 13, For my people have committed two evils. Notice we're talking about God's people. So were they God's people? Are you one of God's people? He's talking to his people here. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Israel's sin was twofold. Number one, they backed away from God. They just simply got cold and indifferent. And they backed away from God. Number two, they began to love somebody else. 
Now that flies in the face of one of the most important passages of Scripture in the Bible. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy soul. They begin to love somebody else. I hope you're listening today. This is called spiritual fornication in the Bible. It's called adultery and harlotry. They were willing to swap their creator God for a golden calf. That's where we are today. That's where we are today. If you'll notice, preachers are not exempt from this. In verse number 8, the priest said not, Where is the Lord? They that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. God calls this backslidings. Backslidings. And Israel soon became filled with backsliders. Let me give you a twofold application of this. Number one, this happens in many marriages at the beginning. The name for it is called honeymoon. (laughs) Honeymoon. It's nothing but kindness, love, and just a whole lot of honey. Later, however, forgetfulness begins to set in. Love begins to die down. And kindness goes out the window. A couple begins to take each other for granted. They begin to move away from each other. Though they're living under the same roof. The other application is this. It happens quite often in a Christian experience. The day when we first met Christ. Do you remember Couldn't get enough of it. (laughs) I was the happiest boy in all of my life the day Christ came into my heart and into my life and saved me from my sins. Thrilled. I was happy, elated over it. We loved him. We loved his word. We loved his church. Did you know there was a time when people used to be faithful to their church? Can you imagine anything so fuddy-duddy as that? A time when people loved to go to church and they'd put church first and the buildings were packed and God blessed in an immeasurable way until we began and we forgot where we were when God found us. And we've become cold. We've become indifferent and slowly we start moving away from the Lord. That, my friend is backsliding. So, well, I thought you was talking about the Jews. No, I'm talking about a few Gentiles along the way. Now, having said that, let's continue with our subject. Who is a backslider? I have found that there are two things a Baptist doesn't like to be called. One is a hypocrite. You really want to rile a Baptist, at least call him a hypocrite. Now, he knows he is, but he didn't think anybody else knew it. And the second thing you really want to make him unhappy about, call him a backslider. 
a backslider. Who is a backslider? It is limited to the saved. It is limited to the saved. In the third chapter of Jeremiah, verses 14 and 22, verse 14 says, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, I am married to you. God is not married to unsaved people, but He's married to His elect. He's married to those who are saved by the grace of God. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. I am married unto you, and I will take you, one of a city, two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. He enforces that in verse number 22. Return. That word is found so many times in your Bible. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Notice these backsliders are called children of God. Unsaved people are not God's children. They're Satan's children. They follow the prince of the power of the air. They belong to the devil. But these backsliders are married to the Lord. The unsaved are not. Unsaved people cannot backslide. They're already dead spiritually. How can they slide back any further? Also, God calls these backsliders to return. Listen, how can a lost person return from where he's never been? Backsliding. I believe there's a vast difference between an apostate and a backslider. An apostate is only a professed believer. Now, there are a lot of folk who profess to know Christ as Savior. They make a profession, but a profession's not worth a dime if you don't have a life to back it up, my dear friend. Just to have your name on a church membership roll somewhere or visit the church on Easter Sunday because that's when people like to dress up and go to church. No, that's not. A professed person will go to hell if that's all he's got. Just a profession. An apostate is only a professed believer who moves away from God while a backslider is a true child of God who moves away from the Lord. You got an example? Happen to have one. Mr. Spurgeon said that Judas Iscariot was a chief apostate. A chief apostate. Now, he looked pretty good. I mean, he met with the disciples. He was called not only a disciple, he's called an apostle. And he must have been a pretty good preacher for the Lord sent him out with the rest of them. They even made him treasurer of the church. But he sold his Lord for a meager amount of center of silver and he took his own life. He died a reprobate, an apostate. He never knew the Lord. An apostate falls away from God never to return while a backslider comes back to the Father in sorrow 
and repentance as the prodigal son in the Gospel of Luke. Now watch this one. It's a good definition. It's a scriptural definition. A backslider is a Christian. Are you ready for this? A backslider is a Christian who's filled with his own ways. Now, I'm not filled with it, my own ways. And I'm sure you're not filled with your own ways. Or am I mistaken? The Bible says in Proverbs fourteen fourteen, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. In studying the conversion of the Apostle Paul, as soon as the Lord saved him, he said two things. On the road to Damascus, Paul spoke only two things. Number one, he said, Who are you, Lord? Everything he had done was because he was ignorant of who God really was. Who are you, Lord? And then he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The will of God became Paul's priority. And I believe the will of God becomes the priority of every believer. Do we retain that? No, we do not. There are some times we do just exactly what we want to do without considering God's will in the matter. That's a borderline case of backsliding, and unless it's corrected, it'll get worse and worse. Backsliding heart shall be filled with his own ways. Notice this is not just some form of depression or coolness, but it's a direction away from the Lord. Instead of being filled with the Spirit, the backslider is filled with himself. Not just a bad habit or two, but filled with himself. It is no longer, Lord, what thou have me to do, but, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. A backslider is a Christian with harbored sin. Do Christians sin? You bet. Do Christians sin? Absolutely. In 1 John chapter number 1, he speaks quite directly about this. 1 John chapter number 1, verses 6 through 7 and verse 9. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Verse number 9, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can only have fellowship with God when we are walking in the light as He is in the light. Now, when we sin, there's one or two things we can do. We can confess and forsake it. Or number two, we can let it make a home in our heart. And I'm telling you, when a believer allows sin to make a home in his heart, he's a backslider. 
It's doing something you know is wrong, but it's what you want to do. It's what you want to touch. It's what you want to be around. It's what has become priority in your life as a believer that we're moving away from God. That's backsliding. Listen, it's not the backsliders that did not come to church this morning. It's the backsliders that did. We're here. Just because we sin does not mean we're backsliders, but when we do not confess and repent of what we know to be sin, we become back. And notice it takes place in the heart. The backslider in heart, in heart, shall be filled with his own ways. Would you permit me to give you a couple of examples of some backsliders? (laughs) Take Lot. For instance, in Second Peter chapter 2, Second Peter chapter number 2, verses 7 and 8. Speaking about the deliverance of one lot from Sodom's fiery baptism as it was. The, it burned the people of the city. But verse 7 says he delivered just lot. Now that word just lot does not mean only lot. It means justified lot. He was just as justified as Abraham was. He was a just man. He had come to know the Lord. And delivered just lot, but he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. And the Bible plainly calls him a righteous man in verse 8. For that righteous man, speaking of lot dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lot was a righteous man. He had a righteous soul. He was justified, yet he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And you know, Abraham gave him first choice. It wasn't the only thing left or the only place to go to live. No, no. Lot had the first choice of the land. He chose Sodom and pitched his tent toward Sodom so that he could see what goes on in Sodom every morning when he got up. And the last thing before he went to bed at night, Sodom intrigued him. He then moved into Sodom. They made him mayor of the city. Become like them. He was filled with his own ways and wound up in disgrace. He'd have to live with his sin for the rest of his life. Lot committed adultery. He committed adultery with his own two daughters. And he became the father of his own grandchildren. Swallow that one. He was a righteous man. And he had been justified, but he made a bad mistake pitching his tent toward Sodom. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah are not isolated locations, my dear friends. As a matter of fact, you can't even find them today. Probably they're at the bottom of the Red Sea. Sodom is all around us. Every day we live, we face Sodom. 
and Gomorrah. Lot was a backslider. Didn't have a whole lot of influence on his wife. Matter of fact, she turned into a pillar of salt. And when his boys, his sons-in-law, heard that Lot said, God, we've got some angels coming, and they said God's going to destroy the city, they laughed him to scorn. Well, the old man had been drinking again. His testimony wasn't worth a dime. And my will, my, my testimony won't be worth a dime. Neither will yours when we start down that path. Backsliding. Getting away from the Lord. The other one is Samson. I always loved Samson. In Hebrews 11 verse 32, there's just this verse that I would call to your attention. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and all the prophets. When you read the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, everybody mentioned in it belonged to the Lord. Except, do you know what the two exceptions are? Cain's name is mentioned in Hebrews 11, but he didn't belong to the Lord. And Pharaoh's daughter didn't belong to the Lord. But apart from that, everybody's name that's mentioned in Hebrews 11 belonged to the Lord. And if anybody ever made a fool out of their life, Samson did. He intermarried with the Philistines. He committed fornication. Of course, that's the most accessible, accepted thing today to do, especially if you're bored and don't have anything else to do, you know. He was a liar, and he violated his Nazarite vow. And oh, what a terrible price he paid for all of this. He died with his enemies, blind and humiliated. He was a backslider. What happens to backsliders? We must either get right with God or face chastisement. Brother Randy read a section of this passage in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 5 through 11 this morning. He read from a different reference, but it had the writings of Hebrews 11 in it. And let me call it to your attention. Hebrews chapter number 11 Verses 5 through 11. Just listen, let the word speak to you and let it speak to me. You have forgotten. That's the way verse number 5 begins. You've forgotten. Ever forgotten anything before? You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, notice he's not talking to reprobates here. He's talking to family members. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. That's an interesting word, scourgeth. It is a Hebrew word that means to flog. That's what they did to the Lord Jesus Christ. They flogged him. Sometimes punishment can be severe. I would imagine flogging is one of them. 
For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. You know one reason why I love, one of the many reasons why I love the King James Version is you read it, you know what you read. You don't have to say, well, now what did he mean by that? You know what he meant by it. Be ye without, if you say you're without chastisement, you're bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had our fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We gave them reverence. At least I did my daddy. I scared death of my daddy. But I was more terrified of my mama than my daddy. They beat me mercilessly. Child abuse. It was a terrible thing. Day after day after day until I finally found the secret of it. If I did what was right to stop beating Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after our own pleasure, after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, I'll never forget as long as I live, and I've lived a while. My mother would always say, now this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. That's not so. <laughs> no chastening of the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Let me give it to you in North Carolina language. If you're backsliding and you're not repenting of it, God will beat you to death. Are you listening to me? You mean a God who loves everybody? Where would you get all that love everybody business? We either get right with the Lord or we face chastisement. How does God chasten his own? He gives us an illustration of that in the book of Amos, chapter number 4, verses 6 through 11. The book of Amos, chapter number 4, verses 6 through 11. Listen to this. I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Look at verse number 8. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied yet. You have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Verse number 9. I've smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased, the palmer worm devoured them, yet you have not returned unto me saith the Lord. I've sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with a sword. 
and have taken away your horses. I've made the stink of your camps to come up into your nostrils, yet you've not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Verse 11, I've overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet you have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Isn't that amazing? One, two, three, four, five. Yet you have not returned unto me, unto me, saith the Lord. I categorize those things as I read them. One has to do with joblessness. In verse number six, the second one has to do with drought. In verse number eight, the third thing has to do with croplessness. In verse number nine, the fourth one has to do with sickness. In verse number ten, and the latter part of verse number ten has to do with death. And I've listed three predominant things sometimes to get our attention. Number one, finances. Number two, our family. And number three, our fortune as it relates to our health. I have found I'm most responsible to the Lord when the money runs out. Aren't you? Or I get fired. Or all of a sudden I'm not making enough money to make ends meet. What am I going to do? It could be that God's dealing with me about something. I'm not saying because people are jobless that they're necessarily backsliders. I am saying this, that God knows where you live and He knows how to knock on your door. Family. Something happens when a husband is not faithful to his wife and the wife is no longer faithful to her husband. That gets your attention. My heart goes out to so many people who face very bad divorces. And there's no such good thing as a divorce. But I tell you, some are rotten. It's like another war that's broken out. My heart goes out to people like that. How lonely they must be. How desperate they must be. God knows how to get our attention and then our health. I used to think I'd be alive and kicking when the Lord came back. I got my doubts. I've tried to force myself to say this. I'm up quite a bit during the night. I get tired of all that sleep, you know. I don't want to be bored with sleep. And every time I get up, I say, this is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. When one returns to the Lord, the very things that have been taken away are restored. In Hosea chapter 6 verse 1, the Bible says, Come, let us return unto the Lord, for He hath torn, He will heal us, He hath smitten, and He will bind us up. You say, well, Brother Cozart, I'm not bothered with finances. Well, you don't like $5 a gallon gasoline anymore than I do. Hey, by the way, I took my wife's car. Now, she was in it. (laughs) I took my wife's car to the dealership, and I said, need you to 
just give me an oil change. They said, all right, sir. Now, you need an alignment? No, don't need an alignment. Do you need this? Do you need that? I said, watch my lips. All change. (laughs) And that's exactly what they did. That's all they did. They gave me a bill, $87 worth of oil change. I used to get it for less than 20 bucks. It made a difference. Let me tell you something. This nation is going to hell in a handbasket. And God Almighty is the only one who can intervene. But it just may be God is using this to help us wake up. Was it not the people of Nineveh when Jonah said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown? And the king said, Well, we don't know whether he's going to hear us or not, but we're going to be overthrown anyway. And they started repenting. And when they repented, God lifted the scourge. And I believe God can and will lift the scourge on this country if we get right with the Lord and put priority where priorities belong. I'm afraid we're not doing that. I'm afraid we're not doing that. How does a backslider get to God? One of my favorite stories, Luke 15, the prodigal son. Well, this dad, he had two prodigals. One of the boys decided to stay home. He was a prodigal. He was a headache, really he was. The other one said, give me the goods that belong to me and I'm going out and do some things that I want to do. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Where are you going to go? I'm going to go where I want to go. What are you going to do when you get there? I'm going to do anything I want to do. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. He didn't realize that till he got in a pig pen and didn't care for the slop. He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise. I'll go to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against thee. You know what? He went to the father. And the father didn't go looking for him. That's another sermon. That's a good one right there. But it's very interesting. I didn't see that till this morning. I want to share it with you. He didn't, he didn't go looking for the boy. The backsliders come back to God. God doesn't move. God's where he's always been. I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee. Forsaking is not God's problem. It's our problem. And he came back to the Father and sure enough, (laughs) bring forth the best robe. Don't you go bring something Salvation Army's been given. No, but I want you to get the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger. And put shoes on his feet. For my son that's been lost to us all of this time has now finally come home. That's how you do it. That's tough medicine. I'm wrong. That's tough medicine. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It's not everybody else around me that's wrong. I'm wrong. I need to deal with me this morning. You need to deal with you this morning about this matter of getting cold and indifferent and starting to change priorities. Before concluding this message, there are some practical considerations about backsliding. 
We must never think we're exempt from backsliding because we have never gotten drunk. Or we're exempt from backsliding because we've never committed adultery. Or we've never murdered anybody. Or we've never stolen anything. Backsliding can affect and does affect the will, the mind, and the emotions. Tighten your seatbelts just one cinch, would you? It can affect your church attendance. Do you know where most of our people are today? Most of them are not here. This, this, this building has been filled before. You say, well, preacher, do you know where they are? I know where some of them are. They're doing their own thing. Now, there are some things in our culture and in our generation You take people that work and have to work to maintain a livelihood and to care for their families and all. I'm not talking about being... Providential things happen that we have no control over. I'm talking about just not coming to church because that's not what you wanted to do. That's sin. It always has been sin. And it always will be sin. Priority. What's your priority? And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but my goodness, the choir needs preaching too. Huh? It can affect your love for the Lord. I wonder how many of us have ever, <laughs> my goodness. Can you imagine Simon Peter? Now, here's the guy. Here he is. Here's the guy who said, Lord, if the whole bunch run off and, and, and forsake you, you can depend on me. I mean, when it comes to the fight, I'll be right there with you. Can you imagine on the day that Jesus Christ came forth from the dead, Peter said, I think I'll go fishing. He did. And not only that, but the rest of the bunch said, well, if you're going to go fishing, we'll go fishing with you. And they fished all night. Didn't catch a thing. Do you know that at that meeting, when Christ was on the shore, fishing, catching, not catching, but frying the fish, having them ready for these weary, worn disciples who fished all night and caught anything, did you know the Lord pulled Simon off to the side And this is what he said, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? And Simon, typical Baptist, said he was, well, Lord, you know that I love you. I mean, after all, (laughs) boy, you got my prize when you got me. And the Lord said, feed my sheep. And he didn't turn him loose. Two times he said it. Three times he said, do you know why Christ was questioning his love? Because Simon Peter's love was like an iceberg. At the beginning, I told you I didn't want to knock you over the head, and I'm not trying to knock you over the head. I'm telling you, folk, I'm being honest with you today. People usually do what they want to do. Yes, sir, they do. Yes, they do. 
It affects our love for the Lord. It affects the priorities in life. What's number one with you? I mean, what's number one? You say, well, a job is important. That's good. My wife's important. That's good. Children, that's... The Lord ought to be the number one priority of my life. He should be the number one priority of your life. The next time you decide to do something, you got a question mark on it, say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You'd be surprised. It affects attitude. It affects joy and can even affect our convictions. We have people today, and many of them are church folk, just like us, are doing things 20 years ago it was wrong to do. Boy, it was a sin. You didn't do those things back then. But we do them with complete free liberty today. Something's wrong with our relationship and our fellowship with the Lord. Backsliding. 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 You've been very patient. Thank you for listening to me. I close with this sentence. The opposite of backsliding is growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you fall in love with Him, you'll fall in love with what He loves. And Christ loved the church so much that He gave Himself for it. And so will I, and so will you. Let's stand, please, for prayer.